the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and today, great to have uh, David McDonald here. How are you, David? Yeah, pretty good. Um, thanks for having me on the show. It's great. Oh, real privilege to ha- have you here. Um, maybe you can give a, a quick intro where you fit into this big wide world of of tech in New Zealand. Yeah, interesting. Um, so I've been around the tech industry for New- in New Zealand for quite a while now. Um, did a stint over in uh, uh, Australia and Japan along the way, along my journey. Um, and right now, um, back in New Zealand, um, heading up the company Altered State Machine, which is it's a protocol for what we call non-fungible intelligence. And basically what that means is we're creating a world where the, the value um, created by AI flows back to its contributors. So at the moment there's a, you know, a handful of people who uh, are the custodians of all AI in the world. Um, and it's one of the most important technologies that humanity has ever invented. And we're creating uh, tools and, and platform uh, and, uh, and protocol um, to allow the people who are contributing to the AI to actually um, benefit from the value that's created there. So sounds pretty mission. exciting. Yeah. It's really cool. It's really cool. <laughs> well, before we jump in, a uh, big thank you to our show partners, uh, Vocus, Vodafone, Spark, HP, and Gorilla Technology. Uh, first up, we've got our new news bites, just some interesting news this week. First up, uh, we heard about Russian uh, TV broadcasts and um, online communications uh, yesterday, which was when uh, Russia was sort of celebrating the end of World War, War Two, there their their victory or V Day, but uh, hackers managed to sort of get in and, and disrupt uh, Putin's plans a little bit with uh, messages appearing on uh, TV screens, really challenging uh, Putin's propaganda. Uh, so it's always interesting to see the way that uh, you know technology gets used for you know for good and bad in different ways. But uh, yeah, I thought that was um, probably a reasonably good good use of um, some hacking uh, yeah. uh, talent there. I see uh, you know Musk obviously continuing down this uh, this track with uh, with Twitter, and I don't know how long that deal will will take to uh, take to close. But yeah, it will be. Quite fascinating to see how that actually ends up, and looking at uh, some of the regulation that the, the EU are putting into uh, play, maybe that will curtail some of uh, Musk's ambitions. But as latest, I've seen yeah, a couple of different things. One suggesting he's hoping to double the number of users for Twitter, and another one sort of talking about uh, uh, 4xing Twitter. So. Um, Interesting times ahead, and then I talked to somebody from Tesla yesterday, uh, who was uh, maybe a little bit concerned that uh, Elon might be taking his uh, his eye off what uh, they might consider more important matters. Uh, so we will uh, we'll see how that that plays out. Um, also, in the headlines, reading around uh, first driverless bus trials in uh, in Scotland. Uh, so yeah, we we keep keep hearing about uh, autonomous vehicle uh, testing. Uh, so that one's going to be an interesting um, bit of an interesting one to follow. Uh, BBC and others reporting on that, and then um, China uh, following in the in the footsteps of the US by allowing autonomous uh, robo taxis uh, without a um, sort of a safety driver on board. Uh, a couple of companies there. Uh, Baidu and uh, Pony.ai uh, involved in that one. The other headline was uh, Rocket Lab. Uh, very pleasing to uh, to watch the footage of them uh, having a helicopter uh, catch a falling electron uh, rocket mm-hmm. last week. I thought that was uh, was pretty spectacular. It was, I'm sure, a, a little bit disappointing for them that the pilot felt it was appropriate to release that uh, that rocket. A bit concerned, I I think, with how that was um, that was flying, uh, the helicopter was flying after um, after catching it, uh, but the fact they've they've had that success under their belt now, presumably, uh, won't be too long before that just becomes the uh, the normal way of them uh, capturing and and managing to uh, 
reuse their rockets and um it does it does seem very sort of uh kiwi number eight wire in a way but i think this was a concept that that had been around before uh the idea had certainly been kicked around before uh, rocket lab uh, picked it up but uh uh, they've done it and yeah it's pretty uh pretty phenomenal and uh yeah another successful um deployment of satellites 30 34 satellites last week so uh yeah just uh Strength to strength. Now into uh, into New Zealand uh, happenings. There's been uh, a bit of tech that's that's come out and uh, provides capability for detecting uh, diabetes and uh, and and other diseases. Uh, tech from from New Zealand, which is always good good to hear about. Um, and of course, New Zealand is a place where we we have some pretty major issues with with diabetes um 280,000 um New Zealanders the I guess part of the challenge is being able to catch it uh early so this uh company Thea yeah have uh, have been have been working on it and they're using this um imaging tech that basically takes a good close look at the eye and Ooh, yeah. uh and then you know from from what they can actually see that's going on with um the blood vessels and so on in in the eye they can uh, they can make a a bit of a call uh, from that and seem to seem to have a very high success rate looks like they're using machine machine learning to be able to uh, you know recognize the the unique differences for those that you know maybe at some stage of uh, diabetes Seems like a, a pretty good use of technology, doesn't it? Yeah, I would I would say so. And this this kind of um, you're, you're seeing all this uh, AI machine learning innovation really starting to spring up around us right now, um, and and in interesting places. I think uh, before it was kind of you know that classic you watched a sci-fi film from the the eighties and you've mm. got this robot talking back to you, and that was the world's idea of AI for a while, but. To see it popping up in other places that are super useful um, and really specialised like that is awesome to see. Yeah, I was uh, reading there was uh, you know, commentary from uh, Dr. David uh, Squirrel, who's been involved in um, diabetic testing in in New Zealand for you know, fifteen years or so, and his comment was that the um, the accuracy of of this technology. Um, is is better than most junior doctors, and that's you know at this stage. So who knows how that could uh, you know could evolve further? But I th- you know, think as we keep hearing about these things, it just gives us a you know a little bit of a taste of of what the future might be if we're you know ten or fifteen years yep. out, uh, and you know you've got okay, well you can take a shot of an eye and you can get that information. What what else can can you get when you take that? You take you know a whole lot of other uh, data, whether it's from wearables and and other things. But you've got to imagine you put that together uh, appropriately. Then um, I would I would like to imagine that we're gonna we're gonna be capturing things you know much much sooner probably than what uh, what has been done uh, tr- you know traditionally, whether that's you know cancers or. Uh, or, or what it is, and you know we've heard about you know things that uh, that will, will pick up certain changes that might be related to COVID, for instance. Yeah. Uh, so, I think um, yeah. yeah, AI is definitely the key to unlock a lot of these um, these amazing things you can do with big data analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things we have to be cautious of um, when it comes to AI is um, and and all this data that we're providing to AI is. Who who owns that and what are they using it for? Um, and I think one of the things that we try and do is is get the education out there around how AI works, um, what kind of data it's gathering, how how you interact with it, um, so that people are aware of what they're they're handing over and why it's important to own that yourself. Um, and I think uh, the the more use cases like this that come out, the more important it is to get that message out there that that you need to be aware of this technology and how it works. Do you think that um, the blockchain is a is essential for providing, um, you know, or capturing this sort of data as we as we move move forward, and that there's 
obviously sort of things that tie in with the blockchain in terms of being able to you know, potentially control uh, you know, who has access to the data and so on. But then on the flip side, um, there's there's a cost, and you know there's mm-hmm. usually a higher cost involved for putting something on the on the blockchain, you know, compared to a traditional database, right? Yeah, um, blockchain's um, an interesting tool, an interesting piece of technology that has some really cool um, functionality that can be used for a lot of things. And when you're building out a, a service, you want to look at the tools that are available. When you're building out a piece of functionality or sol- trying to solve a problem, you want to look at the tools that are available out there. And blockchains tick a lot of boxes if you're really uh, interested in transparency um, and redundancy and um, decentralization so that not one person has uh, as a grandmaster of control over something. And if those things are important to you, then blockchains are a great way of solving those challenges. Um, and I think for AI, I think a lot of those things are quite important. Um, it's I wouldn't be going and storing big, you know, petabyte um, deep learning models on on chain because that would cost more money than the world has um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's probably not appropriate for doing something like that but um, fractionalizing ownership and control and governance over something like that that's really important that's handling people's um, medical records is something that uh, blockchains can be um, really useful for yeah and I think we, you know we've seen a lot of data leaks and data breaches and it's now down to yeah you know, who do you trust with your data and probably the answer to that is nobody mm. <laughs> in yeah. a general sense and so you know I was um, look someone was signing up for an online service uh, today and I was uh, you know chatting through with them I was saying oh it's asking for your birth date there you might want to just make something up and and store that in your you know Yep. Uh, password manager rather than giving them your real the real birth date you know you, you yep. want to be cautious where where that stuff goes um, realistically probably we're, we're already you know beyond that point if anybody wants to get anybody's birth date it's probably already been leaked um, umpteen times um, now but you know just you know generally speaking we've kind of we've we've learned uh, that it's a real you know a real uh, a challenge that, uh, that that privacy aspect. So I, I am kind of very curious to see how we how we sort of move forward from here. And do we? Yeah. How how right do we get everything that happens on the blockchain? Mm. Um, so I think you know so far things have been pretty pretty consistent. But we do actually also hear the the horror stories and the uh, you know crypto exchanges that that get hacked and and so on so it's it's not a um, it's not a world where everything's absolutely perfect either is it so uh, no no build, builders have got to build yeah there's challenges around building these things with any technology um, and uh, builders have got to figure those thing those challenges out mm. um, the way that you know the thing that I suggest to anybody building in this space is be transparent about what you're doing with the community mm. there's you know, millions of uh, engineers and, and scientists out there solving these problems. Um, you know, crowdsource that that information, uh, which you know uh, this sort of open source space allows us to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, also, when it comes to the world of, of crypto and um, and Web three, we had uh, news last week about um, GD one or. or Global from uh, day one, which is uh, a venture capital firm ba- based here in Auckland, but they picked up um, yeah, attention uh, globally for launching their dedicated um, fund that is focused on uh, Web three and uh, and crypto. Uh, so I thought, yeah, it's it's just good to see New Zealand doing. Things that are that are really attracting, uh, you know, glo- global attention. Now, I'm sure you know there, there's probably a growing number of um, of funds around the world. Um, the 
this news sort of came through as this being uh, New Zealand's sort of first uh, fund of this of this type. Um, now, before uh, starting Altered State Machine, uh, you were working with Centrality, which mm. I'm guessing Centrality is also a sh- shareholder in. An ASM. I'm not, I haven't gone through the company <laughs> records to have a big breakdown, but you've got a connection there. But um, Centrality also, you know, mm. funds a lot of these projects, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's fund. Yeah. I think um, uh, so. It's it's kind of split out into two funds now. Um, and Aaron McDonald's probably the guy to talk to this. Uh, talk to this, but yeah, we must catch up yeah. with Aaron again at some stage. I, I definitely agree. It was always a good talk. Mm. Um, but I think there's about 60 portfolio companies that have um, come out of the sort of incubation um, and sort of venture studio project under Centrality. Um, a lot of uh, really awesome Kiwi innovation has come out of that process. I think they've been around six or seven years now um, funding these kinds of pro- uh, projects. Um, pretty, pretty big numbers of investment if we sort of, you know, stack it up. I know this is yeah. sort of a, f- a five million... US dollar um, fund, but I think, you know, centrality is, uh, um, yeah, and yeah. the investment that's already gone in in this world from a, a Kiwi perspective is, uh, yeah, is pretty significant to, to date. Yeah, and I think, um, I think New Zealand's starting to be seen as a leader in the space um, worldwide, and that's the feedback I, I talk with. Uh, a lot of a lot of companies in the industry and f- and also other investors in this industry and traditional investment um, uh, sort of industry Silicon Valley kind of traditional stuff. Yep. Uh, New Zealand's pop is definitely on everybody's radar for for a lot of the projects that are coming out in the Web three space. It's it's pretty encouraging to see what's happened you know here in New Zealand to date. And although if we look at say the um, NFTs and the non-fungible sort of token world, that's, um, I guess, as volatile as, as kind of anything that uh, involves uh, crypto cryptocurrency. So, um, you know, it can be it can be all over the place sort of numbers-wise, but we've seen some some pretty big numbers there in terms of, you know, I, I'm not sure the market cap term usually gets, you know, as, associated with NFTs, but uh, looking at some of the some of the numbers with, um, you know, the the work with um, non-fungible labs and what you guys have been doing, certainly at times well into the hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in terms of a, a market cap, if that's a, mm. if that's a thing that you can uh, can apply to NFTs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, probably, I probably wouldn't apply that metric because it is a bit of a paradigm shift for, yeah. for content creation and um, community participation. And I think, you know, the, the industry is going to get better at describing as it goes along, mm. um, is a lot of innovation, a lot of people trying things out in this space, and we're seeing some really cool stuff pop up, um, and and people building some really awesome stuff. But I don't think I've worked in an industry where I I as a you know a CEO of a company are uh, so close to the community that's um, that's uh, using what we're building. Um, and, and often they're building it right alongside us, which is a really interesting uh, kind of paradigm shift. Yeah, I, it does seem to be moving very, very fast. Um, so, look, I think you know, there being you know, multiple channels through which people can um, you know can launch, launch these startups in this the space is, uh, has got to be good. Uh, but there seems to be a lot of collaboration mm. at the moment. I've you know not seeing like that. People are off necessarily just doing their own thing and kind of disappearing into a back room, but it, it does seem uh, like there's there's a lot of wisdom around collaborating and um, you know a lot of a lot of people you know crossing over and and working together. Is that you know so your view on on how things are going today? Yeah, definitely. So this is the thing. This is the the big powerful thing about open source building is that it is a collaborative process at its core um, and you can stack innovation on top of innovation um, like no other industry can. Mm. And we, we've, got a, we've got the, um, the sort of alter-state machine, uh, non-fungible labs, centrality, silo kind of uh, ecosystem. Um, we're, all, we're all collaborating together and innovating, but we're also working externally 
with other projects like wow you've got a really cool asset and you're building some really cool technology um would it be cool if we can you know do this it could be even the same assets that we're building there's opportunities like okay those things can exist in the same world and and um, interact with each other in interesting ways or you know i've solved this um really complex um technical problem with the smart contracts on the on the blockchain um you guys should have a look at that and adopt it for yours because it's more secure and your your um your community is going to be better protected so those sorts of things you know is the thing i love about this this open metaverse space for for want of a better word um uh where where that collaboration is at the core of what we're doing yep Oh, it's uh, it's really exciting. Well, we'll probably have to uh, tap in with um, Vignesh Kumar at some stage from um, uh, GD One and and hear a little bit more around uh, you know what they've got planned and and what's yeah. going on. But look, I think it's uh, it's it's really good and it's uh, um, I guess it's a, you know at times it's a little bit scary when I look in and see how you know how how volatile some of these uh, some of these things are. Um, but you know, for for what you're doing with Altered State Machine, you seem to be you know well funded. You've got a uh, how? What size is your your team now working on? I think we're getting getting up around the fifty mark at the moment. Um, so that covers uh, obviously engineering, um, uh, engineering and science and research, um, all the way through to uh, design and creative. And then um, community and and uh, and marketing and, um, and strategy and those other departments. Yeah, yeah. Um, very t- technology heavy company, yep. as you would expect when you're talking about AI. Um, and and we're growing. We're we're still in a, a growing a growth phase where we're hiring pretty much as fast as the pipelines allow us to hire. Mm. Um, mostly New Zealand based because we have a fantastic talent pool here in New Zealand of some of the smartest people in the world, in my opinion. Um, and we're kind of proving that now, which is awesome. Um, uh, but we do have offshore staff members as well, based out of the US, uh, Australia, and design resources that come from different different places as well. So It's yeah. pretty exciting, because how, how long have you been going with ASM? Um, officially, incorporation date, uh, a little over a year now. I started building the prototype, this this specific version of the prototype that we based Older State Machine off probably a couple years, two and a half years ago maybe. Hard to track time in, in the age of COVID. Um, yeah, but sure. <laughs> that's my guess. So it, it's been only officially having our doors open for a year. It's been it's been a, a pretty big year. Yeah. And, and so to break this down a little bit for people, as a... You know, a company that's working in the world of NFTs, artificial intelligence. How do you fund what you do? Because you know, a headcount of fifty people. That's um, I'm picking that these are uh, you know folks that aren't very near the minimum wage level. No, um, no you know, no. you've got you've got some real talent in there, right? Yep. Reasonably expensive. So, how does that work out from a funding perspective and selling NFTs? What does that bring in, and uh, you know how does that it all fit together, sort of financially wise? Because you you know you seem you've got a fair uh, runway ahead. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's um, it's interesting. We first of all, this this isn't our first rodeo. We've been in, been as uh, sort of saying earlier, we've been in the space um, for about six or seven years. So, and we've incubated a few projects. Um, I think sixty. Uh, around about 60 in, in total through that process. Which is so, a phenomenal number in and of itself, especially you look at it each each thing and it's not yeah. usually just a, a tiny project, right? No, no. And <laughs> yeah, it, it is it is a massive undertaking founding a company and, and I, um, from personal experience, my hat goes off to anybody who attempts it. It's, um, you know, you, you, these, I, I haven't met a founder that hasn't put their heart and soul into what they've built, so... It's a difficult process, um, and uh, I personally have been involved in, you know, probably a, a good dozen of those those companies um, helping out in, in various ways. Aaron has obviously been involved in all of them, <laughs> and uh, when we 
we founded Altered State Machine. We um, initially funded it with our own money because we believed in the, the project um, and uh, got it to the point where we could go out to the market and show people, hey, this is what we've built and this is what we're doing. Um, do you want to be on the, the journey with us? And um, the first initial small round of funding was um, what's called a SAFT round, um, which is a simple... Uh, simple agreement for future That's tokens. Right. Simple agreement to for future tokens. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, which was a SAFT round. Um, and uh, so we sold a, a, um, a small amount of the tokens to the early contributors. So we had people like Delphi Digital, who are massive in the space internationally, um, Polygon, uh, Animoca Brands, um, uh, led by a, a place called uh, Shisha Finance, um, and, uh, and, a, and a number of other really high quality um, investors in the early round who could bring in community and support and, um, uh, and, and different tools to add value to what we were building. So that's, yep. I think it's really important when you're looking for investors, sometimes it's easy to just take money because it's there. Um, but what you want to do is you want to find um, people who can really add value to what you're building. So. For us, number one was community and support around that. Number two was what uh, Delphi's provided, who are really uh, are industry experts in the economics side of, of blockchain. Um, and we consulted very closely with them on, on how we've rolled things out. Um, and so we brought those, those people on board early, um, built out the platform more, um, had some revenue coming in the door to a point where we're self-sustaining. And then we looked at what our growth plans were long-term, went through a seed funding round, um, which was a bit more of a traditional funding round from the, the crypto um, sort of native ways. Um, it was a, a hybrid round where we got on partners who could bring content to what we were building primarily. So we, we partnered with um, uh, uh, TCG um, who have uh, the LPs at likes of Disney and and uh, and other people who have access to a lot of um, content. Okay, um, interesting. Warner Music Group, um, which kind of speaks for itself, um, and and other organisations that um, are capable of bringing content and um, and also community and strategy to what we're building. So um, that's gotten us a pretty pretty healthy runway um, to build what we need to build, um, and then. Um, Across the whole ecosystem, we've got um, got a lot of stuff going on at the moment, and it's going to be really interesting. So the next kind of quarter, um, what what you could, uh, the people are going to start seeing coming out of the, the ecosystem as a whole. Yep, yep. And so um, at the moment, if people are kind of curious, what can they go online and and find about Altered State Machine? Um, because you've got NFTs, they can go to OpenSea mm -hmm. and and see things there. But you know, you want to walk us through yep. a, a little bit, sort of what what folks are able to see today, and then you know, a little bit of what that what that future actually looks like. Yeah. So we have um, first place is obviously our website, so you can you can go through um, the uh, the sort of you know, very high level overview of what we're building. Um, if you want to dive That's real deep. That's alteredstatemachine.xyz. That's the one, yep. Yeah, <laughs> why XYZ? Um, it's because uh, you'll notice that a lot of the um, a lot of the companies in the ecosystem use the .xyz so we can be consistent yeah. Um, yeah. across the board. So Centrality used the, the .ai, which was all the rage yep. back in the day. Back in the days, not that long ago. <laughs> crypto, crypto years up. and like dog years. Yeah. Man. <laughs> it's it's a then, lifetime ago. And then these dot uh, eth type uh, yep. domains, ENS domains, they're good. Um, so yes, obviously the website, the white paper. If you really want to dive into sort of the original vision of yep. where we're going, um, you can find that on the the website. Um, and then uh, obviously OpenSea to see the assets that we're producing. So one of the really important things for us was um, we're, we're building something that's quite technically complex, but 
we want to be able to tell a story about the technology that we're building mm. because that's how you get you engagement and you make it an immersive experience. Um, we could just put a command line interface up there and that could be the whole internet, right? But nobody's going to engage with a command line interface for very long. Um, that's why the internet's become this rich kind of experience, uh, multimedia experience that people interact with. And that's how we want to uh, have people interact with with AI. So our um, our assets, the brains that hold the, the memories, the AI memories, um, they're actually a fun asset to interact with. They're a piece of 3D art um, that can pop into little characters and make them do things like play soccer games and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and it's a real sort of rich experience that people can interact with. And then the little characters themselves are fun little 3D characters that um, that people can interact with for our first sort of demonstration of how the, the protocol works. Um, so I think you've got to tell a good story um, to get people engaged and, um, and build out a world that's interesting and immersive. Um, and, and I think that's what the future of this open metaverse that everybody likes to talk about is. And like um, looking at, you know, one of the um, the things you've got is the um, ASM, uh, how do you pronounce it, AIFA uh, All Stars. Your um, how, how do you how do you, how do you describe <laughs> these uh, uh, virtual football characters? Walk us through that. Yeah. So um, the one of the the first prototypes actually. Um, the, the prototype that I um, I built out to, to start Altered State Machine was this little um, soccer game um, where these little AIs played soccer against each other autonomously um, and you could you know, tweak some stuff in the background like a football manager um, to get them to behave and, and learn in different ways and, and create interesting strategies as a team. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, everyone was like, that's a great demo, like that should be a game in itself. So yeah. at some point that um, that became our first sort of um, demonstration of how to use the protocol and the platform um, and, and the tools. And that kind of, through the interaction with our community, that took on a life of, of its own, where they're like, actually, we really want to play this this game. That's a, that's a thing on its own. Um, and so we, we put the team and the resources behind it to build it out into a proper experience that people can, can interact with um, and have some real utility um, out of the box for what we're building, which is awesome. And that led us to um, being contacted by the likes of Authentic Brands Group, who, um, who are the custodians of the Muhammad Ali IP. Um, they spent time in our community seen how we interact with them and reached out about uh, collaborating with us on a Muhammad Ali um, boxing game. Wow. Which is really awesome. I mean, to, to have that opportunity, um, I, it was beyond my dreams of, of what we we're going to get exposed to at the time. Um, and we've worked closely with them designing the experience and, and talking about how we're going to treat the legacy and the brand of uh, Muhammad Ali in this open metaverse space. Um, and we're just starting now to roll out some of the first teasers of what's going to come um, in the future with that Muhammad Ali boxing game, which we're calling uh, The Next Legends, um, which is an awesome experience. Um, and that led to a number of other really big franchises and brands approaching us to, to come and um, uh, collab on some, some interesting stuff. So we've got a lot coming in the future, but... Um, but it all started with this silly little soccer game. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, the, char the characters are really are really cool. Um, but I'm I'm kind of you know curious. You know, I talk to different people around NFTs and 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 you get you know quite a quite a range of uh, of opinions. I'm kind of curious how what you think are the the um, yeah, because the, I guess you know, they're often they often sort of get referred to as oh, this is kind of like your your modern day baseball card and so on. Um, mm. You know, some people are trying to break it down into something traditional, right? Mm. And as I often say, like you know, the the what 
new things technology brings, you can't necessarily break it down and describe it in terms from yesteryear because it is something completely different. It's like, you know, when the internet came along, you try and describe it like, oh, yeah, that gives you a, I don't know, an encyclopedia in your in your pocket or something when you have the internet and a, <laughs> and a, and a um, smartphone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, none of, none of these descriptions really, you know, um, completely, you know, cover them and you've got to actually experience these things to understand it, and I think we're we're kind of coming into that with um, with the world of non fungible tokens and and blockchain is we're we're still you know in quite this early early state. Yes, there's there's you know a lot of people are sort of you know investing or or um, you know throwing throwing money in, sort of hoping they're going to hundred x whatever they you know they put in and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious from your perspective in terms of yeah, what what do you um, see as the, uh, the the hallmarks of those sort of uh, NFT projects that are going to have success, uh, you know, long longer term? Yeah, um, that is a that is a tough question um, to, to ask someone. It's kind of uh, let me gaze into my crystal ball. But, um, <laughs> well, I mean, if but you I look do. at the moment, right, you can yeah. see certain things of of those projects that go well. And you talked about your, you know, partnership there with with um, uh, Muhammad Ali Foundation. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah. through a uh, authentic brands group. Yeah, yeah, and so you know what what you know you, you notice things that do really well, and then you notice yeah. other things that um, they may do well for a little bit of time, and then they sort of you know they they fizzle out. Um, so well, crystal yeah. ball aside, I do yeah, have yeah. a strong opinion on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think. There's there's a couple of a uh, couple of approaches companies take to NFT projects, and I'll, I'll try and remain sort of neutral in describing these. Um, there is the the sort of the financial gain approach, where um, they think they can produce something, make enough noise about it to get enough people to buy into it, and that's the purpose of the NFT. Um, and we see quite a few of those out there. There's the cultural and artistic approach where I've actually got a message to to um, to put out there to the world, and I'm interested to see what their opinion is. Um, and um, there's some really cool projects out there that that are doing that, and they're centered around the art, the uh, artistic value of the work that they're producing. Yep. Um, and then there's the utility that's I'm building something really cool that happens to um, uh, NFTs happen to be the right solution to solve this problem I've got for, for what I'm building um, and those those kinds of uh, projects are um, usually thinking a little bit further down the road about what the future is going to be in this this new immersive space that we're moving into um, and I've worked with um, and, and talk to a, a lot of projects in this space, and some of them are doing such awesome stuff, and some of the artwork out there is is really cool. And art is very subjective, and it's not everybody's flavour. But um, I've got NFTs that are, you know, not super popular, but I love them because it's a, you know, it's a cool little thing that kind of just, you know, tugged at my heartstrings or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but, then, but it might be worth ten grand, right? Which is really hard for some people to get their to get their head around. Yeah, mostly they're worth not anything. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but some projects are building culture around what they're doing. So you look at like Bored Apes um, and and some of the other larger projects. Mm. Um, the their mission is to build you know culture and community around um, around something, which is an important thing, and people do find value in that. So. Um, that's why they've attracted people yeah. for those reasons. Um, we're focusing obviously really heavily on the technology side um, of what we're doing, but we're not forgetting the the artistic side. Um, our uh, our little you know cute little three D models um, are technically complex because they're fully rigged and um, and three D and uh, animated interactive, as opposed to most NFTs which are just you know sort of JPEGs pictures of things um, 
but and they're there uh, and you can completely customize them yourself so you can you know choose different hats and put on different eyes or you know octopus arms or whatever you want yeah um so it's an interactive thing um and and we wanted to to push the technology as far as we could and every time we release something we want to push the technology as far as we could beyond that sort of initial jpeg idea yeah um to to see how we can express our our art and creativity through this medium yeah and uh, you know i guess in in new zealand we have that in- incredible sort of mix of talent from both the you know the creative aspects that that's you know made uh you know so many great you know uh movies come out of come out of new zealand and and you know more and more games and so on um we've got that side with the technical talent and that seems to be uh you know quite a quite a key as far as the world of nfts is concerned to be able to uh you know um, cover from those perspectives um but also tapping into partnerships like you've, you've talked about seems to be really key there's there's this whole aspect of um you know popularity like anything right so uh, if you can get that get that attention and and do something that serves a particular community or audience um that certainly helps to to build the traction doesn't it yeah definitely and and um it's an amplifier for what you're you're doing Mm. as well um i think we have a yeah you're right we have a strong legacy of this sort of uh technology creative um side in new zealand with the likes of weta and and Peter Jackson and and uh, and all the stuff that's come out of New Zealand, um, it's amazing. And you know, getting uh, in the ecosystem, you know, Fluff World's working with Weta Workshop on on projects, which is amazing. Getting to work alongside true Kiwi legends, you yeah. know, these are our heroes. Um, I remember growing up, um, you know, watching watching the rise of all of this through Lord of the Rings and everything. In New Zealand, and and these people really blazed a trail um, for the rest of us. Yeah, definitely. And you you also talked about you know utility, the sort of the usefulness of uh, of these in, of NFTs. And you know, I guess to to me, it seems as though um, you know, in the longer term, it's NFTs that are going to uh, you know add some value in, in some some way over a longer term, where you would expect there to be a um, you know, maybe the most value, but uh, you know, I I struggle to get my head around. <laughs> you know, when I look on say OpenSea and what you know people pay for different NFTs to get my head around, uh, you know, the the picture at all. But then, you know, you you see what people pay for all sorts of art, right? Yeah. And 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 people pay a lot, lot, lot more than what it you know physically costs to produce, say, a sculpture or a painting, and and so on, um, and I think you know, as society, we've you know we've kind of got a head around that. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that uh, on the in the NFT world, it's uh, uh, all the dots are joined up for everyone yet. But uh, that utility piece, I think, if you've got this this whole other you know element um, of of you know benefit that a, that a NFT can provide. Um, that that's pretty interesting to me, but I guess we haven't seen too much of that that utility yet, right? No, and uh, people are sort of just starting to catch on. I think, um, I think to your point earlier, is it is difficult to describe what it is in in sort of Web two terms, like traditional terms that people are used to, because it is a different thing altogether. I've heard it described as you know a receipt or a position in a queue or all these other sorts of mm. attempting to describe yeah, yeah. it, and it's not quite what it is. Um, and it's not until you interact with it that you sort of get a sense um, for for what the difference is from what you've traditionally interacted with. And if you look at you know you look at a JPEG, essentially it's a piece of code, right? And when you sort of you look at it that way, um, all programs and all everything you do online and ev- everything you interact with and the digital space is code. So if you're writing a piece of code, whether you're creating a JPEG or writing an AI and being able to um, to, to have a, a native way to trade, um, prove ownership, 
um, and approve uniqueness of a piece of digital code is important to what you're building, then NFTs are, are probably a great choice. Um, and and that's why that's the way that people have got to start thinking about when they're building things, not like, I want to put a JPEG out there and make money. That's <laughs> I think that's the wrong angle to, to yeah. look at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, we did have a couple of other topics we were going to uh, delve into today. Um, I saw the announcement come through. Uh, Apple, Google, and uh, Microsoft collaborating on a passwordless future for us all, which sounds pretty good, actually. I was on, um, I was on a radio station this morning. They asked me to have a have a word to their uh, audience about cybersecurity. What is it that people need to uh, need to do? And the aspect of how we uh, look after and maintain and keep our passwords unique, password managers, multi-factor authentication. Um, you know that sort of at the at the uh, you know core at this point of addressing so many cybersecurity issues that tend to come back to. You know, people's accounts getting compromised because maybe they didn't have multi-factor authentication in place or they used a really stupid password or it's a password that has already been compromised in the past and is you know floating around out there and uh, in the in the public and I you know I know uh, you know we've we've seen some of this effort in the past to uh, to go uh, passwordless I've got a uh, got an old hotmail account which I set up onto onto passwordless I don't know year year or so. Uh, back and um, yeah, it's it, it makes uh, you know makes a fair bit of fair bit of sense to be going uh, going down 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 that track from uh, you know from this perspective of actually you know, bringing down our cybersecurity risks. Mm. What are what are your thoughts and do you think this stuff can can apply into the will will be able to apply? Ultimately, into um, because you know behind the scenes, there's you know there there I guess effectively as a password, a token, and so on, but you just don't uh, don't <laughs> see it. So you know, would you see this applying uh, in the future in the blockchain world as as well? Yeah, it's it's the it's the lifelong cat and mouse game um, <laughs> that the sorry age old cat and mouse game of um, people trying to build things and then people looking for ways to exploit those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the um, I think the digital and, and online world has amplified that in a massive way. Um, I remember back in when I was a kid, we used to get scam calls on the phone, you yeah. know, a little rotary phone. <laughs> um, and that was, you know, that's how you got scammed back then. Somebody would call you and get your bank details or credit card number or whatever it was. <laughs> Um, and then that the evolution of that scam has just evolved into the crypto space where yeah. the exact same scams being run today where people are just going and fishing for personal information to um, to steal money from them. And I think um, passwords are a, a big attack vector mm. um, for these sorts of things. And I'm interested to see how the big tech companies are looking to solve that problem and whether those hackers are going to find a way around it real quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's been the, the, the work from um, the FIDO Alliance has sort of been going on over, you know, over a period of, of years, and we can now get these, you know, FIDO2 uh, tokens to uh, to be able to log in um, and often using biometrics mm. and with a token or, or, or logging in through... Um, yeah, a device we've got that maybe is sits behind some um, some biometric type protection or device pins and and so on, but yeah, how that how that plays out, <laughs> so it's going to mm. be an interesting interesting time ahead. But for yeah, those that have that have managed to uh, to make this leap into 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 passwordless, which I think will you know will grow now. You know now we're getting. Um, yeah, Apple, Google, and Microsoft, uh, yeah, really pushing this, mm -hmm. and and it'll it'll take some time. Uh, yeah, I think you know it's it's pretty exciting. So hopefully we can 
squash down some of these cyber cyber issues start that we, winning yeah. that we see. Uh, yeah. You know, fortunately, so much of what we see today in terms of cyber uh, security issues, there's a good a good chunk of it that is really common and has been around for a while. So, yeah, a mix of education and just everybody sort of slowly nudging forward. Uh, we we start uh, reducing that um, uh, the, those risks, but yeah, we still see the news reports and so on of you know whether it's celebrities or you know whoever you know well well known people with with accounts that are are regularly being being attacked that haven't done the the absolute basics. So uh, yeah. it's uh, it's a little bit sad in those regards that we're still trying to uh, communicate those simple things. Um, Another thing that came up was uh, this story about uh, DJI. When we when we look at drones, I mean, DJI are just they've been so successful, such a runaway success. I know we were talking earlier. You were telling me about uh, drones that you've you've built in the in the past and want to uh, uh, take a line out for fishing and so on. Um, you know, I think uh, you know. It is one of the areas where you know technology has facilitated a lot of uh, a lot of innovation. And when, when we when we look at the situation in Ukraine, um, you know we've spoken about it a fair bit over the last couple of months. How you know technology and especially drones, uh, you know, have been actually quite quite key uh, along the way to uh, some of the the successes for uh, Ukraine in terms of uh, you know defending themselves from uh, from the Russians. But the the story around uh, DJI was they've got this um, technology for drone tracking called uh, aeroscope uh, signals, and these were supposed to be all encrypted. and And DJI had, you know, had insisted, people had insisted on you know, at least a couple of occasions that yeah, yeah, no, it's all encrypted, it's it's all safe. And then it was it was found out that actually that wasn't that wasn't the case. So. Mm. You know, there's the potential there for Russians to actually be able to you know, track down exact locations of where Ukrainians may have been, you know, standing as they flew their drone. So, you know, tracking the, the user of the drone and and the drone itself. Now, the the concept is you know is pretty good when you're not in a war situation. If you know someone's flying a a drone somewhere where they shouldn't, a big stadium, and you know there's something dodgy attached to the drone. Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah, it's it's good to know that these things are going on. But uh, yeah, in a war situation, um, it doesn't sound too good. No, it's it's um, yeah, that's that's a good um, reason to seriously look into open source and transparent systems. In my opinion. Um, uh, open source and transparent doesn't mean uh, transparent to the data, but it is, does mean transparent to the architecture, um, that people can verify that what companies are saying is what's happening. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a massive problem with tech, is that nobody can go and verify that these companies are doing what they say, and they're making real life and death um, decisions based on the things that they're saying and it's not verifiable um, so I think that's a that's a massive case for for um, people encouraging the companies that they interact with to be open and transparent about what they're building um, it's it's a scary prospect <laughs> yeah and I think it's 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 pretty hard to get these things spot on because You've got a whole lot of different audiences that use technology and a whole lot of different use cases. Uh, I saw a note on um, one of the reports about that that I read that was suggesting that that the US may have formally mandated that these uh, remote ID broadcasters yeah, needed to remain unencrypted. So there's all these sort of different <laughs> different uh, needs and and desires and and different parties, but. Yeah, we sort of expect to be able to trust, uh, you know, particularly a big player uh, like like DJI to get it right. But if we actually step back a little bit and we look at, you know, we look at the big tech companies, they don't get stuff right 100% of the time, right? So, no. uh, 
it's pretty hard and 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 open source. Not everything's sort of yeah a hundred hundred percent perfect um, all the time either. Um, and then lastly, the other stuff that caught my my attention the last few days was um, there was a little bit of a uh, little bit of coverage around uh, broadband and and two countries. Um, one Australia with their national broadband uh, network and. Um, we see their sort of promise from uh, Labor if they get in uh, into government at the upcoming uh, election there that uh, that they would for for Australians who are within the sort of the fixed fixed line uh, footprint that ninety uh, percent of those would get uh, gigabit uh, fibre access. I couldn't find anywhere that breaks that down to how that actually compares with with New Zealand. I mean, we know for New Zealand we're getting, uh, and we're not we're not far off it uh, now. You know, eighty seven percent of the entire population um, are getting you know fibre access to uh, to to premises. So um, doesn't sound like they're going that far. And of course, they're uh, um, you know despite starting before New Zealand, they're. Uh, you know they're still playing catch up and having burned tens of uh, tens of billions, um, but I think that must be be encouraging for uh, for some. Uh, and I know a lot of a lot of Kiwis live in uh, live in Australia, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and then the other thing on the broadband uh, front was uh, reporting around um, the US, where uh, Biden's talking about. Uh, Making access to internet for those that maybe can't afford it today uh, much more accessible. So uh, a US uh, thirty dollar uh, credit uh, per month uh, for a lot of people, um, and some of the things I've been reading uh, suggest there that it, it could be heading towards forty percent um, of households in the United States uh, you know, qualifying, which is a huge, huge number. Um, you know, I would have thought, uh, you know, if we sort of just were to look at New Zealand and you were to look at those that don't have broadband at the moment, it would be, you know, be a lot less than a uh, lot less than 40% of the population. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, probably the case in the US is, as well. But, you know, I can see that being really, really transformative. And, you know, it is a it is a genuine, you know, challenge today, that, that digital divide of, you know, mm. folks that... Um, uh, would struggle to afford it, and by the sounds of it, um, you know, reading about some of the the uh, internet providers that have come on board, that thirty US dollar credit would be enough uh, for them to deliver, you know, high speed broadband uh, into homes. That may mean some of them changing their uh, uh, their plans. So Verizon made a co- you know comment that they'd bring down their forty dollar plan to thirty, and therefore. Uh, you know, homes would be getting it for free. Which sounds sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it, it, I guess the question had to be asked: at what point is access to the the internet a basic human necessity, right? Um, alongside, you know, food, water, shelter, healthcare, that sort of stuff. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it is so important, and you know, yeah, of course we can. You know, we can cope without it a bit longer than we can cope without water and so on. But, uh, um, and, uh, and, and some of us probably probably wish that uh, uh, its uh, access wasn't as widespread as what it is, you know, today. I, I used to enjoy, you know, jumping on a plane to you know, San Francisco or Los Angeles. It's like, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> bit of downtime, you know, think, read, you know. Yep. It's just like, there's, and, and. Yeah, those uh, those days have sort of uh, you know largely gone. Of course, you know there is still that aspect of sort of discipline and uh, you know turning our devices off and, and getting disconnected. But uh, yeah, it's swinging more in that direction than there, there being you know so many places where we don't have the internet. I remember my last flight from um, I think it was from San Francisco to New Zealand. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, I thought to myself, at what point? Can I get away? Can I no longer get away with saying, "Oh, my plane doesn't have Wi-Fi"? Yeah, <laughs> and people believe me yeah, on those yeah. flights until yeah. my wife starts messaging next to me and, yeah. and blows my cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we're in we're in I think interesting uh, interesting times, but it's good to see that 
governments are really are looking at these aspects probably more and more, same way that they're looking at, at social media, um, you know, looking at the, the harm technology can provide, which I think, you know, we've, we've started to have a, a really, you know, increased awareness of as, as well as the, uh, the exciting opportunities. And, you know, hopefully we, you know, more often than not get that, get that balance right. And you know, I think, uh, you know, technology creates an incredible opportunity to, you know, to give a lift to, to our country, to our economy, to, to New Zealand's people and, and, you know, not just New Zealand, this is a, a global thing. So, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to, um, you know, to read that uh, there's, there's more being done to, uh, you know, to get these balances right and move it forward. Agreed. Cool. Well, it's been uh, be great to catch up with you, David. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, now, where should people look if they're wanting to get their, their head around a little bit more about um, ASM and Altered State Machine? Is that back to the back to the website? Yeah. Um, so head on over to the website um, or our Twitter account um, and jump into our Discord. I don't re- recommend anybody go and buy NFTs without jumping in and talking to the community, finding out what's going on what they're actually building, what the community's like, whether you identify with their values. Um, I, I highly recommend don't go and buy our, our NFTs until you jump on our Discord and our Twitter um, and, and see what we're about. Um, I'm on there a lot, and I love answering questions about this this thing I'm incredibly passionate about. Yeah, Discord seems to be the, the big thing, and, um, and Twitter as well seems to be reasonably active. Uh, as far as uh, the world of, of NFTs and, and uh, blockchain type things as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are the two hotspots for sure. Yeah, yeah, good. Excellent. All right, well, thanks for that. And uh, thanks, everyone, for, uh, for listening in and uh, for joining us on uh, NZ Tech Podcast this week. We will be back again with you um, more than likely, similar time next week. All right. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks, guys. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.